every comic book hero has an origin story, something that made you into the hero you are today. Um, you know, and were you born a hero? Or were you like bit by a radioactive spider that made you want to uh, get into people, build their leadership skills and stuff like that? Or do you start in a job and eventually move over to becoming an entrepreneur? The penultimate latchkey kid, if that was a superhero name, that was probably my, my name early on. You know, both parents were out doing whatever they were doing. And so from the time that I was maybe six until 17-ish, I yeah. learned myself, learned to figure out the mechanics of the world by myself. Luckily, I had a great group of friends in my neighborhood that we all glued together. Secretly, I didn't know I had a, a spy network of moms making sure that I was okay. I would not identify myself as a hero from my youth. But I think friends would, you know, there were points in times where in elementary school, a buddy of mine and I were known as Batman and Robin. Our job is to go around to all the bullies to get them to stop picking on all the kids. As I got older, I want to be happy. I want my friends to be happy. I want people around me to be happy and anything that's counter to that, I'm going to go confront. And I think just being the latchkey kid that I was with no one suppressing my whims that just became a normal load for me to operate from. That freedom gave me the uh, flexibility to like discover the world on my own terms. Heroes are an inspiring group of people. Every one of them from the larger than life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen, the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell. From the doctor saving lives at your local hospital, the war veteran down the street who risked his life for our freedom, to the police officers and the firefighters who risk their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling. But there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored. The entrepreneur, the creator, the producer, the ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what? I can fix that. I can help people. I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world. Others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks on the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence. So you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. Hello and welcome back to The Euro Show. My name is Richard Matthews, and today I have the pleasure of having Lance Powell on the line. Lance, are you there? I'm here. Nice to see you, Richard. Awesome. Hey, glad to have you here. And so just before I start the episodes off, people always wonder where we're at. So we are up in Yosemite in California right now visiting my dad. And Lance, I think you said you're coming in from Los Angeles. Is that right? That's correct. Yep. Awesome. I know we were just talking before we got on here. We got to get you up here to Yosemite and see this place because it's gorgeous. It sounds like you're missing all of California, which it sounds like you're traveling through every spot I need to see. <laughs> Absolutely. That's one of the nice things about traveling and working is you get to see all the cool places. So what I want to do before we get too far into our interview, though, is I just want to go over a brief bio or introduction for you, and then we'll get into your story. So Lance Powell is a former executive in the art and science fields of video game and film post-production. He now leads Tula, a transformative and practical program to unlocking the human um, full potential and self-realization. And I know you said you got your start actually in the video game industry. Is that right? Yeah, I started in games in 92, fell into it. You know, it those days when you could actually do that. There was a division I was working for another company. They moved to Oregon. I grabbed the newspaper of all things and I was rifling through and I saw this little tiny square box that said Activision Studios is looking for someone to come into customer support. And at that point in time, I was working for Symantec in QA and went over to Activision Studios. They had just come out of chapter 11. So there's only 40 people 
boxes everywhere. And yeah, that kind of began the entire thing, the whole journey. It almost didn't happen, by the way. It, it almost didn't happen because I was wearing a suit and tie. And one of the producers comes out before the rest of the team met me and he goes, oh yeah, you can't do that. Take that off. And I'm like, I'm 20, you know, like take one off. And he's like, this, you all just take the whole thing off. They can't see you wearing a suit that you won't fit in. And so first lesson learned. That's funny. So what I want to do, what I want to start off with is what you're known for now, right? So I want to know what your business is like. Who do you serve? What do you do for them? Okay. So Tulot is the company that started uh, a year ago. It's focused on three primary areas, which is uh, corporate clients, which is transforming leaders, a community, which is called Conquer Forum, which is for men to uh, come together to uh, activate themselves into their highest potential. And then a group called ASPA, which is the Allies for Black Americans, which deals directly with generational and cultural trauma. Man, so you guys have your fingers on all sorts of stuff. And I guess, you know, my, my question then for is, I want to find out how you got that point where you started Tula and you're running the organization you're doing now we, on this show, your origin story. Right? Every good comic book hero has an origin story. It's the thing that made you into the hero you are today. Um, you know, and were you born a hero? Were you like bit by a radioactive spider that made you want to uh, get into people, build their leadership skills and stuff like that? Or do you start in a job and eventually move over to becoming an entrepreneur? Basically, what's your story? Wow. The penultimate latchkey kid, if that was a superhero name, that was probably my, my name early on. You know, both parents were out doing whatever they were doing. And so from the time that I was maybe six until 17-ish, it was like free reign. And I yeah. learned the world by myself, learned to figure out the mechanics of the world by myself. Luckily, I had a great group of friends in my neighborhood that we all glued together. Secretly, I didn't know I had a, a spy network of moms making sure that I was okay. But, you know, it was an error. And, but by the 80s time, were a good time, right? Man, the best. You know, it's like responsibility and freedom. And we're at 80s is like what? Peak masculine. And so that concept yeah. I was absorbing a lot of. And I would say, I would not identify myself as a hero from my youth, but I think friends would, you know, there were points in times where in elementary school, a buddy of mine and I were known as Batman and Robin. Our job is to go around to all the bullies to get them to stop picking on all the kids. Junior high school, that continued nice. on. Me and my friend went to different schools. As I got older, it was really kind of the same thing. It's the, you know, I want to be happy. I want my friends to be happy. I want people around me to be happy and anything that's counter to that, I'm going to go confront. And I think just being the latchkey kid that I was with no one suppressing my whims, you know, that just became a normal load for me to operate from. So I don't know if that's a superpower necessarily, but that freedom gave me the uh, flexibility to like discover the world on our terms. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So how did you go there into the video game world and then eventually into starting Tula? So. I really fell into the game world. So this is at a point in time when the industry was going into a second generation, right? The first generation would be the late seventies, early eighties, you know, the one man show out of his garage, making Pac-Man. I was part of the second generation that was building pipelines or processes and, you know, look development and the technology and really honestly just fell into it. That the transition from that to Tula was out of real deep need. 
when COVID hit, I was in very, you know, it kind of spun me out. You know, we're wiping down mail, we're protecting our, you know, the, the elder people in our community. And it was the first time in my life where I felt depression and stress just like rushing. And it was my first experience. I reached out to my partner and I said, hey, you know, what does depression feel like? She goes, yeah, this and this. And I'm like, okay, I'm depressed. I got to change my, change everything. Added yeah. me down into a road of deep discovery. That deep discovery turned into activation. The activation became a So everything I'm doing right now is out of, you know, born from the past, transformed during, during COVID, and then expressed post-COVID. Interesting. So you had this world in the video game, in the video game scene, and you sort of had all the stresses and whatnot that COVID brought to, and then learning how to overcome those yourself and be able to, you know, take that same sort of like lifelong pattern of being able to help other people overcome those same things. Yeah. It's, you know, the journey itself is through your own psychology and the experience. Once I, prior to all this, I was in complete denial that anything like this was possible. I was in a state of, you know, when Bruce Lee said the word, you know, you've got to tap into your chi. I always thought chi was something abstract. When yeah. people talk about, you know, the spiritual journey, I always thought that was abstract. It wasn't until I was in a state of depression and stress where I was like, something's got to change. And it was during that point where I started having a couple of different experiences those experiences activated my curiosity and that became an, a complete deep journey into the mind body relationship. What is awareness? What are the mechanics of spirituality? Who's talking about it? How wide does it go? How deep does it go per culture? You know, can you collapse everything that seems similar? And basically Tula became a practice of broad based spirituality into a vertical and then a gamified my process to, you know, get deeper to the mind, get deeper to the body. And as that, as I started coming towards the end of that, I started expressing it with different friends, getting them into a practice, walking them through certain mechanics. And as I saw that they would experience the same level of deprogramming that I was, it really made me go, this is very powerful. This is something I need to really hone in on and turn into uh, a skill set because I don't want to be suffering, you know, from my own psychology. I don't think anybody else does. And it gives you a very clear roadmap of, you know, the kind of origin of your experience up to the sense experience and then all through the psychology that gets created along that journey. So now to kind of sum it all up, you know, it was born out of necessity and now I'm giving this to other people because it's a clear path to mind stability. What's, what's interesting to me is I experienced something similar, right? I, for a long time, you know, I had a solid upbringing with my parents and my family and my faith and all those kind of things. And so like, I, I didn't have a lot of, I don't want you to call it like mental trauma or things that I had to work through. Um, but one of the big things that I, I, it took me forever to unlock was the mind body connection that you were talking about. And I always, I struggled for a long time being, you know, thin and scrawny and not very muscular and not being able to do a lot of the things that I want to do and having my body sort of being a limiting factor in the things that I wanted to do. And it was started a couple of years ago, started really focusing on trying to fix that part of, of my life and a peak performance gentleman that like went through and did like 
really extensive, like deep level, like blood testing and genetic and some other things that just like, you know, help unlock some of those things and help started getting like the foundation fixed. And then this mm -hmm. year earlier, I like just officially in martial arts space. And he specifically just, um, he uses martial arts as a skeleton to teach calisthenics and breath work and meditation, how to create that mind body connection and create the energy and the pathways and everything to be able to just put yourself into a performance state whenever you want and those kind of things. And I can't say that it is exclude that caused the massive growth that our company has experienced, but I can tell you, like I started the training with him and you can see on our like graph for our business that starting the training on the whole building the mind body connection and our, the graph is like, it's a straight up, it's a straight up shot of growth where for years. It's been, and it wasn't until I started really focusing on building that mind body connection and unlocking the potential in my own body and like really pushing that and uh, that it's made just a humongous difference in the outcomes that we've been able to create. You know, it's first off, congratulations. That's a huge shift. Uh, I think one of the things that it's just really blind to us is that we are, you know, we're meaning making machines. And we get bought into the meaning of certain experiences and we create these okay. fantasies out of those experiences. And then we believe the fantasies, you know, yeah. I can't do, I'm not strong enough to do, you guys are better than me. Right. And so all of those, you can imagine is like a tiny parachute attached to your back while you're sprinting at our psychology, the older you get, we just kind of pile them up and they slow us down dramatically in the form of doubt and uncertainty and aggression and a bunch of different psychological effects that come out of there. The reality is, as you're pointing out, clear all that stuff out and you're frictionless. And yeah. that frictionless it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And one of the things I find the most interesting is like get into this deeper with people is we're so beholden to our story, you know, oh, that thing really happened. Oh, that thing's really important to me. Oh, that thing. You know, they really did these things to me. You know, it's that personalization of the experience that is impacting people's ability to move forward. And when we think about from the time that we wake up in the morning to the time when we go to bed, how many encounters during the day from like reading texts on our phone and looking at the news and, you know, just having a cynical conversation, how those kill momentum, they kill your yeah. ability to just move forward. And so... I really start a lot of the practice now getting to the origin point of your experience and going, this is your origin point, not the sensory base that we get connected to because that sensory base is what's impacting our ability to move forward. Starting from the origin, it allows us to witness everything without taking it personal. And once we get to that level of our experience. There's nothing that can stop you. You literally become unstoppable because there's no psychological, you know, mechanic that is adding its weight to you. There's just nothing there. So you're able to move efficiently. And yeah. Sleep. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like I sort of accidentally stumbled into a lot of things you teach like systematic because that's, which is kind of, which is fascinating because like, I know, so there was a couple of things. One of my good, he's a good friend now said to me earlier this year, it was about the same time. So it was like three months, not three months, three weeks before I started doing like the physical training. And he goes, if you want to grow this year. And I was like, yeah, he's like one, one piece of advice. And I was like, what's that? He's like, say yes, till it hurts and then fix the pain. So it was a mixture of like taking that sort of mindset of just say yes, till it hurts. And also like really fixing that whole mind body connection mm -hmm. and realizing that like, 
you can, you know, to use your terminology, become frictionless and do so much more than you think you're capable of. Um, and like the limits that I would have placed on myself a year ago versus the limits I'd place on myself today are astronomically different, not even in the same world. Like, and I've had to expand my thinking and my goals and the team and just like everything we're doing is just completely next level compared to where, where I would have felt. And even like, I don't know, it's my baseline higher than what I thought my dreams were capable of a year ago, which is interesting. And the practice, sorry, go ahead. I say it's interesting because it's not, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. It's not like a lot of things changed. It was just a couple of small that unlocked everything, if that makes sense. Small things like in your mind and in your physicality, your thinking and just the way that you world and it just changes. Absolutely. It's interesting, right? The way that I look at the psychology now is there's the barriers that we create from our own experience, right? They're rooted, a lot of work rooted in the childhood. There's the barriers that we are handed to from the, you know, older people in our communities, our parents, our teachers, and whatnot. There's a cultural, you know, barriers. And so all of these have impact. You know, if you think about being a, you know, if you're a minority stepping to a space that's not minority, your mindset is I have to behave or I have to operate a certain way. You know, if you're stepping yeah. into a corporate situation and you're new to the corporate experience, well, then your mindset is, well, I have to behave a certain way. Right. And so these mechanics start to, to play into the experience, but we're making it all up. You know, there's yeah. nothing that is, that was said, you have to operate these ways. So it impacts our ability to move forward, our ability to be powerful, our ability to like make a statement because we're held back by our parents saying, well, you shouldn't do that today. Maybe do some more research and do it tomorrow. Right. We're letting other people's influence affect our ability to move forward. Oh, that's the thing that really strikes me about that. That's one of those things that's so powerful. I don't want people who are watching this to miss that key. So one of the things that I had someone, I was a guest on someone else's podcast recently, and they said like, what's the one piece of advice you think you've, you've learned over the years that you would like pass on or something like that? I don't know if that's exactly the question. My, my answer and the thing that I, I really think people should pick up on is that everybody is wrong. That's right. Like everybody is wrong about almost everything. Um, and yeah. you know, it doesn't almost... Yeah, it, they're, everyone's making it all up. And even when they're like, this, you know, you, you know, talk about like really tactical things like this thing when you're marketing to these people works really well in this way. I'm like, it works well for them and their situation, what they're doing. It's like, like there are no rules, not really, right? You know, it's not, there's not really a like, this is how fast you can grow your business or this is how fast you can run or this is how high you can jump or any of those things. Like all of those things are, they're wrong. We don't actually know what the capacity of your capability is, right? And like the best metaphor I've ever heard for it is like potential is like you're in a box and you can see the edge of your box and that's the, that's your visible, what you know you're capable of. And your actual potential is some other box that box is inside of. You can't see it. You don't know where it is. You don't know what the edge of the, that potential is. And the only way to find out is to push the limits and to test it. And you realize when you start doing that, that. You can run faster, you can jump higher, you can hire more people, you can build faster. Everything that you thought was a limit is not a limit. It's and interesting. I don't know how to say it other than that. Like, but what I was gonna say is that the, you know, the things that we think are our superpowers are actually our blockers as well. So yeah. that part right there is really, it 
took me a minute to really understand that I kept trying to process this experience through the logical mind. That was one of the, one of the reasons why I didn't have the experience to begin with, because my logical mind couldn't connect to the the concept of spirituality. You know, I kept trying to put it into this like mystical other realm that doesn't make sense because science doesn't know what it is. And the reality is that logic itself, the thinking that you're a logical person, thinking that you're a rational person, means that you're trying to put something that requires an experience, right? It requires, you can't do it from knowledge. It's not a third person experience. It has to be a first person direct hand experience for you to go, okay, now I know how that works. I touched fire, now I know fire's hot, right? And so our entire industry is based off of logic. And so we've got wings of people who come out of university and their IQ and that is a very barrier to having deeper experiences. You've got to remove the, the yeah. concept of being a logical person for you to see the other box. Otherwise, you're inside of a box, inside of a box, yeah. inside of a box, inside of a box. <laughs> it's nuts. Like, and one of the most real experiences for me recently has been like one of my mastermind members. Her name's Liana. She's fantastic. You can find her episode if you're listening to this. She's, I interviewed her a number of years ago. She's fan, I call her my business big sister. And for years now, anytime I come up with something that I'm like, I'm going to do this, or we're going to do this, or we're going to make this change, whatever. She always responds with something along the lines of, how would you do the same thing 10 times faster? How would you do the same thing with 10 times less resources? Right. Or she always asks me that question. And she's like, even if you don't, can't find the answer, if it's not a possibility, she's asking the questions. It's that same, like, whatever limits you think you have, you probably don't. Right. You right. probably don't. And you don't know until you start actually like pushing on them and testing them. Um, and that's where you realize you're like, you know, logically you can't do it 10 times faster. Right. right. But that's that limiting, like IQ belief you were talking about and like a locks you in there and you realize like, you know, if you extend beyond those things, you find solutions that blow you away. Absolutely. And it's, you know, what's interesting is the limiting beliefs that we hold on to those are the barriers, right? Those are the energetic resistances that require identification and, you know, some form of integration. And the more you do, the more you can see, right? Just think of all these experiences that we accumulate over time as a box. You know, they start from youth and then we make them more complicated as we get older over time. And once all the boxes are gone, you've got nothing but a clear view. You're just like, oh, Okay, I didn't need to be in any of those boxes. <laughs> so you might be able to help me with a theory that I've been, I've talked about a few times on this podcast. So people who are regular listeners might recognize this. I've been asked a number of times since we started traveling. We started traveling in 2016, how we've managed to grow our business as much as we have over the time that we've been traveling. And so business growth from 2017 till today, which is, you know, what is like eight years or something like in the, you know, like high two digits, like, and manage all of that and the whole team and everything. And we've dramatically decreased the amount of time we put into the business, right? My average work day is four hours a day, four days a week. And people are like, how can you manage that kind of business and the kind of creativity and everything that's required to do that? Well, and I'm like, I, I, I've never really been able to put this into words, but I have a theory. And I think what you just said might have some on it. And so my theory is that when you live a in the traveling world, we called it a sticks and bricks life, right? You live in a 
regular sticks and bricks built home that you have, your life can be, can become very routine very easily. All right. And our experience, like my wife and I's experience, we were living in sticks and bricks home. It was like, you know, every Wednesday night, we went to grandma's house for dinner. Every Tuesday, we went to gymnastics with our kids. And every Saturday we did, we went out to a new restaurant or something like that. But it was like, you could, our, our life was clockwork. And so our experiences were clockwork and it was a more. And when we started traveling, one of the things that happened was all of your experiences change regularly. And like, you have to shrink your routines down to like what fits inside your household. And then everything else, like where you get gas and where you buy groceries and where you're having dinner and who you're meeting with and like everything else is just, it's constantly new and changing. And so you have two pieces to that. One is that you're, you get really comfortable with not having a root, like a, a root always in that creative mind state, um, because you're dealing with new things all the time, new inputs, new outputs and all that stuff. And then the second part of that is you're constantly doing that first thing is that you have just a whole plethora of experiences new foods, new friends, new places you've been, new things that you've seen. And so you're building like a whole huge box of experiences that you never would have had before. I always tell people is like, um, if you want to be the most interesting man in the world, right? Have good friends, good food, good sex, good experiences, like all that kind of stuff, like be live life. And so like, to your point, the theory I've had is like, I don't know how you take the sort of forced experience of traveling that allows you to do that and give the same output to someone who doesn't have the same traveling. And so like, I don't know what the word would be, but like, it sounds like you're talking about the same kind of thing is like, you know, how do you add new experiences to unlock your, your capabilities? Interesting. So first it's really interesting question because one of the things that we get into in conversations is, you know, what's an experience and what's a moment. A lot of people remember COVID, you know, the first years of COVID, Everyone said time just flew by, you know, it just 2020 happened. And then all of a sudden it's 2023, you know, you, you blink. And the, the thing that really comes out of that is experiences create new memories, right? They, you know, you record them, they've got an emotion into it. They kind of get absorbed into the body and that stimulation allows you to feel like you've done something really amazing in the day. If you don't have new memories, if you don't have moments, then time just feels like it's just going and going and nothing stinks in, nothing really clicks. And so now it's about getting out, having moments, having experiences, because if you don't, time's just going to feel like it's slipping by. So yeah. part of what I want to touch in on is the more you clear your mind out of the limiting beliefs the clearer you can see, you know, kind of end to end of your, your mental spectrum. That means there's nothing blocking your view, nothing that's going to impede your ability to move forward. And so you can optimize your workflow just from clearing out your psychology. So in one yeah. way, your eight hour workday can go to a four hour workday just from doing that because you're more efficient. You know, the answers come to you a lot clearer. There's no doubt or uncertainty kind of slowing you down, making you kind of flip flop between what you want to do and something else. But that last piece that having those momentary experiences is living life, like that actually having an experience is by its definition, living life. So yeah, uh, regardless of whether it's good or bad, you know, it's an experience when we're gone, our playback is going to be all these experiences, not these non moments that we didn't turn into an experience. So I don't know if that answers your question, but it so the thing that struck me about that was one of my metaphors that I've been using for people describe what it feels like to sort of live the way that we do. Like 
a lot of people are, you've seen like the sine wave or a sound machine, right? It goes up and down. And it seems like a lot of people are trying to compress the sound waves. They were trying to keep everything as close to normal as possible, minimize the bad experiences. And it also minimizes the good experiences, right? And, and right. so like everything fits into flatline routine and you end up with the flatline life. And what's interesting for like, for us is like, if we go back just the last eight weeks, like we've had multiple breakdowns, like we had um, water um, broke on us and we had to get that fixed on the side of the road. We had the awning on the side of our RV ripped up. We had, you know, the shit tank actually like literally blocked up and I had to hire a plumber. There was an actual literal shit storm in our life. And we had the sink pipe like half. So like we had to like put a bucket under it to catch it. So I can tell I could fix the sink and like, you know, that's just like some things and just in the last eight weeks, but like at the same time, we've been to 14 different states. We got to see our family all over the country and we get to do things that other people just don't get to do. And so like my kids, like my son is 14. He's been to, you know, all four of my kids, actually, they've been to 48 different states. He's been on the battlefield of Gettysburg. He's been to all four corners of the United States. He swam in the, you know, the Rio Grande and he's jumped off of waterfalls in Yosemite. Um, and, you know, he's got his second novel that he's written with his friend and he's training AI how to write in his specific languages and stuff like that. And I was like, and he's 14, he's got more accomplishments than most adults and you get the very high amplitude experiences that go along with the very low amplitude, like the, the shit that happens. And I think a lot of people aren't willing to have, they aren't willing to have the kind of experiences that allow them to have experience life. Right. And to your point, like you have experiences and COVID wasn't necessarily a positive experience, but it was an experience. It's a part of That's who right. you are, who you become. And I think people are. They're afraid of experiencing life because some of life sucks. You have to, you have to learn how to take all of it because you can have fantastic experiences and really shitty ones. All of those turn into stories and allow you to connect with other people and to build an exciting life. That's, you know, that's fun and interesting to live, but also fun and interesting to tell about. <laughs> you know, it, I, I find growth is always on the other side of the pain. Right. It's integrating the wisdom and going, okay, well, that really sucked in the moment, but I learned something from it and now I can spot it in the future. When we don't spot it, uh, you know, we're at the mercy of whatever that pain is, we reject it and it becomes part of the subconscious process. Right. So yeah. even when you're avoiding it, it's still having a, an effect on, you. you know, even though you don't think you're going to go into the thing that's causing you pain, the very thought of thinking about it is causing you a reaction, right? That you become a no when I have to do is just go <clears throat> try it, see what the experience is like, and then come out of it and go, okay, well, it kind of sucked, but you know, and now I know I'm not going to attach anything. Wasn't else. that bad. Right. Wasn't that bad. You know, it's even if it was temporary, pain is pain temporary. Is temporary. Right? right. Wisdom is forever. Right. And so it's the, the two mechanics that should be really at play, which is like pain is temporary, but wisdom that you're going to get out of the experience is forever. If you don't mm -hmm. take the wisdom, every time this thing, life is a sine wave, right? It's going to come back and you're going to reject it, but you're going to suffer from the mental effects of it every time it comes back until you deal with it directly. So yeah. it's more like go enjoy yourself. The things that cause you pain, look at as a moment to learn from and grow through it. And when they come around again, you're not going to be affected by it, you know, because you yeah, know, yeah, like I can. Very practical example of that exact thing. One of the recurring problems with, you know, our particular RV is one of the slides, it'll snap the bolt that um, for whatever reason, that was just poorly designed. And so it'll snap the bolt. First time that it happened was a 
it was an ordeal, right? And it took hours and hours to figure out what the problem was and hours to fix and had to hire someone to come out and take a look at it and figure out what was going on. And what I did with that first experience when it first, the broke the first time several years ago is I, I was like, the guy who was fixing, I was like, explain to me what happened and why it happened and how I can fix it in the future for when it happens. And he showed me how all the mechanics worked and where it was and like where the flaw in the design was. It's not like I can get the RV rebuilt to fix the flaw. It's like, it's going to break again in the future. And I was just like, I was like, sell me like a whole box of the parts that used to fix this. <laughs> and I bought a whole box of parts from them and it's broken probably six or seven times since then. And now it's not even a thing. Like when it breaks, I just go out there, it takes two seconds to fix it, put it back together and we move on with our day. It's, right. it's like, like extremely practical example of that exact thing, but it's like the, the pain is like you, it, it could be that painful every time, right? Where it's multiple hours of your day and you have to hire people and you have to call them out and you do those, or you can just learn the lesson and like learn and prepare for it because it's going to happen again. Absolutely. It, it's interesting. It's like anxiety, right? Anxiety is a, it becomes chronic when we don't deal with it directly. So anxiety yeah. is something that it has this, it, it's almost like something's trying to enter your body and in the very you know, reaction to like keeping it at bay and the very reaction to keeping it at bay, that becomes the chronic trigger, right? You're, you're not letting the emotional state run through you, you know, you're basically yeah. saying, no, I can't deal with you right now. And it's going to stay there until it finds a distraction. It's like, Hey, an hour later, like we're still anxious. Two hours later, we're still anxious. My partner was going through this and she said, well, what should I do? I said, let it in, like let it roll through you. It's just an emotional state that wants to Come in and go out. And she's like, no, I can't yeah. be that easy. I'm like, yeah, just give it a shot. She's like, I don't want to feel the experience of it. I'm like, what do you think is going to happen? She's like, it's going to tell me something that I don't like. I'm like, yeah, it's an emotion, right? That's what the whole job is. So something that you don't want to hear. And so she did it and the emotion kind of rolled right through. And she was like, oh, I've got to take out the trash. I was like, cool. Was it worth the two hours of, you know, trying to keep the anxiety at bay? Because it took you half a second to like let it in let it pass and now you're not affected by it right so we yeah we tend to do that for everything in life when we've got you know you're a six-year-old kid you've got all these experiences that happen to you you know you've got your parents broadcasting what you can and can't do because you're going to get hurt if you climb certain things like these rattle around in our mind and they're just other people's projections or other people's concepts and so when we get to a point where we're just like I'm going to have this experience. I'm going to grow past it. I'm going to learn and get some wisdom out of it. And I'm going to move forward. And when it comes around again, to your point, I'll know how to handle it and I won't be bothered by it. Right? Be so bothered by it's just a thing. <laughs> just a, and it just a thing. It took me a million years to like learn that, you know, it took me a real, it took up to COVID to learn that. And so, yeah. um, right. And so it, mine, uh, mine was traveling. When you're dealt with things that are put in front of you that you've got to deal with and no one's there to save you, right? It's just like face it or continue to suffer. I really realized that facing it was the, the wisest choice. That, that's probably one of those things that like when people ask, like, how do you manage to be like, to be creative and do the things that you do? And I'm like, it's because we're forced to, you know, when your fuel pump dies on the side of the road in the middle of the desert, like your options are die or fix the fuel pump. Right. It's pretty easy. It's pretty easy. You know which one you're going to do. You're just going to deal with it. Right. And so like, and that's just regular life. And you get to the point where you're so good at that, that like everything that pops up, you're like, it's not even, it's not even a thing. Like you just deal with it and move on. And so like my, 
I, I mentioned a trip out here, the water pump for our gas the, for the engine died like while we were driving and it barely took five hours out of our day. It was like, and, and we were done and on the road. We still made it to our destination that day. Like we missed like one thing that we had to reschedule, but like, it's the kind of thing that I know five years ago would have derailed us completely. Right. 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 Like days and like major issues and all sorts of things. And it like, it we've got so much practice at dealing with things that are really hard for people who don't have the kind of experience that we have now that it's like, you know, and you know, it's, it's, it's very limited to like the type of traveling that we're doing, but like, it just gives you a set of powers that you're just like, oh, it doesn't really matter what happens. Like we can deal with it uh, and how to translate that same mental fortitude and skill set into like your business world and into your relationships and into everything else. Cause like, it's the same skill set. And, right. and so you can, you know, you do all sorts of cool things that way. You know, it's interesting. It's everything you're describing. It's one tool, right? There's kind of yeah, it's several, one tool. right? It's one tool for all of it. And it's just expanding your awareness around the experience. That's the whole concept of gaining wisdom. It's, you know, expanding your awareness about what happened and integrating the experience. Those yeah. two mechanics, if we just take those on, the world itself will be in a different space. So that's what you teach people how to do specifically is like you, you teach them the mechanics behind what we learned the hard way of like, by just logging through it. If it's teaching people that there's more to the experience than what we experience. Right. So you can look at it from like, you know, we wake up in the morning, we smell the coffee, our eyes are open to our environment. We're listening for the very sounds outside We're plugged directly into our sensory experience, not knowing that there's three layers before that. And if we can learn how to zoom out a little bit and plug into these layers, then we're going to have a more authentic experience. We're not going to be kind of whipped around by our emotions. And so for me, this is precisely what I'm teaching, which is, you know, well, awareness expansion is the utility. What the reason why you're expanding your awareness is because the psychology that you're holding on to is dysregulating the nervous system, right? So it's causing all mm -hmm. these, you know, subtle vibrations that feel uncomfortable, you know, that we've ascribed names to like anxiety and worry and concern and confused and uncertain and don't know. And, you know, it forms all the different behavior patterns. So your awareness is really just kind of zooming back and going, why did I just do that? Why did I just say that? Why am I reacting the way I am because of what they just said, right? It's becoming aware of the behavior pattern that's tethered into the behavioral response and then having the techniques in order to remove it. I say one of my favorite phrases that I have, I've got plastered up in various places and I tell my kids all the time is between stimulus and response, there's choice. Yes. And one of the things that I tell my kids all the time is like your goal for anything is to learn how to expand distance between stimulus and response so that you can understand the choices that you're making. Right. right. And why you're making them. And so if you understand the choices that you're making, that's how you gain mastery of anything. Right. Because what a master does is they understand the stimulus and they and the responses that they want to have to those stimuli and all the decisions that they're making. And so they're able to expand it to as much as they need to so they can master every decision and then compact it down to the point where they don't even have to think about it anymore, where stimulus is, it's an already predetermined choice that they've made, right? It's like, you know, when you talk about martial arts and other things, like when, when, you know, when someone throws a punch at you and they, and you see them just like automatically just, they've, they've made all those decisions already. They've been through that whole right. process. That's what mastery is, 
It's mastering right. all the decisions between stimulus and response. That's essentially what you're teaching people how to do is how to zoom out and see everything that's happening between stimulus and response. That's right. It's interesting. It's the judgment is like the lower form of the experience, what you're describing. Judgment is this is good. That's bad. Right. It's very binary. You know, yeah. uh, I like those people. I hate those people. I'm confident today. I'm not confident right now. You know, that level of kind of lower conscious state of judgment is what experience discernment is the higher form of that response, which is I'm going to choose my outcome, my experience that I want to have in this moment. And discernment is really the tool of just becoming aware of what's happening. And before, as you're saying, the response kind of bubbles up and kind of whips you into a direction. It's going, no, I, I really like that. I'm going to go do it again. Or I didn't really like it, but thank you. I'll, you know, I'm going to pass next time. I'm not judging it. I'm just, it's not for me, you know, and having that level of discernment yeah. it is a superpower because everyone outside our, our walls right now are functioning out of judgment. And judgment is that lower conscious state is, it forces the mind to not only rely more on prediction instead of experience, right? The predictive nature is what is crafting the illusions, right? Well, if I go over there, those guys are going to like me. Well, how do you know? You know, you're guessing at it, right? The, the 10 at the bar, right? Who no one approaches, right? Because everyone's sure. afraid they're not going to say anything. And if, if you had the guts too, you'd be the only person that said hi to her all night, right? same stuff. Absolutely. And so, you know, <clears throat> mind mastery is, it's an elusive word because we equate our brain to our mind and they're different processes, right? Mind is the operating system. Brain is part of the hardware. Body's part of the hardware. The awareness itself is like root level access to the entire program. And so and then perception is another layer that we just can't even get access to. It's just, it's blocked off. Perception, just, we only experience reality through perception. Like it, so you have no access to life without well, I, it. I feel like I, I would describe it like this, that, you know, as you back away from the senses, as you zoom out, you come across the ego, which is more like a behavior algorithm, right? It's a. Mm -hmm. bunch of assumptions that are turned into these stress waveforms and our mind gets kind of wrapped up in the pathology of those waveforms, right? It's like, oh, I'm stressed. Oh, I'm angry. Oh, I'm whatever. But you zoom more and we're one back and you're at the awareness level, right? The kind of observer of your experience, which is just detecting stuff. Then you back away from that and there's perception, right? Perception is perceiving awareness. You can't go back. From the awareness level, you can hit the perception part, right? You can perceive what the senses are doing. You can perceive what you're thinking. You can perceive stuff, but there's no way to zoom back into that, out of that perception Perfect. layer, right? <clears throat> and so, you know, you've got access to the ego. You've got access to the awareness. You don't have access to the perception. Uh, and all those are finally crafting your experiences to whether you're going to talk to the 10 whether you're going to take her home, right? Because the ego is going to get wrapped up in, I can't, she's too hot. The awareness, yeah. we're not hung up onto any of that psychology. Of course, she's just a person to me. We're just going to go walk over there and say hi and see what comes of it, right? And the perception part is a part that's observing the whole thing, not from the awareness level of detection, perceiving everything that's happening. 
and teaching people how to like get into the awareness part and to really understand the perception part plays a huge impact into how you're going to go about your day and, and you know, get into your engagement. And now a quick word from our show's sponsor. Hey there, fellow podcaster. Having a weekly audio and video show on all the major online networks that builds your brand, creates fame, and drives sales for your business doesn't have to be hard. I know it feels that way because you've tried managing your show internally and realize how resource intensive it can be. You felt the pain of pouring eight to 10 hours of work into just getting one hour of content published and promoted all over the place. You see the drain on your resources, but you do it anyways because you know how powerful it is. Heck, you've probably even tried some of those automated solutions and ended up with stuff that makes your brand look cheesy and cheap. That's not helping grow your business. Don't give up though. The struggle ends now. Introducing Push Button Podcasts, a done-for-you service that will help you get your show out every single week without you lifting a finger after you've pushed that stop record button. We handle everything else, uploading, editing, transcribing, writing, research, graphics, publication, and promotion, all done by real humans who know, understand, and care about your brand almost as much as you do. Empowered by our own proprietary technology, our team will let you get back to doing what you love while we handle the rest. Check us out at pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero for 10% off the lifetime of your service with us and see the power of having an audio and video podcast growing and driving micro-celebrity status and business in your niche without you having to lift more than a finger to push that stop record button. Again, that's pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero. See you there. Now back to the hero show. I'm doing a terrible job of going through my actual like, questions for the interview. Hopefully my listeners will be okay with that because it's really fascinating. So how does all of that impact your ability to access or get into what is commonly known as like the flow state or the performance state and being able to just outperform normal human beings? Okay, very good question. So the way I like to describe it as a visual, right? I visualize the awareness as a sphere. It's like a 360 degree sphere that's sensing outward. It's broadcasting, looking in all directions out. The ego is the layer on top of the awareness, and it creates a structure that starts to kind of mask out what you, what the awareness is able to see, right? So think about the persona masks are the masks of the ego. It's like a filter for your awareness. Yeah. The structures that get built up over the ego are the barriers that get built up over time block awareness's ability to view all the way out to a clear goal. And so the things that are blocking it are all the various psychological, you know, components that we've picked up over time, the fears, the uncertainties, the discomforts, the, you know, anxieties, those are what's blocking your ability to get into flow. Because the second you would have dropped into a project, what do you do? You're like, okay, well, I don't know how I'm going to start. I don't know what the end looks like. I don't know. Right. So all these things start to build up and what's happening. Awareness is trying to see a straight line to the goal. Right. It's just like, mm-hmm. let me get to the goal. The ego's putting up all the barriers. And so you've got to identify the barriers, remove the barriers. And that right there will get you into the flow. If you want to get into permanent flow, remove all the ego barriers and you'll per- be in permanent flow. Yeah. Yeah. And so that you get all the things out of the way and then you can just drop into the flow state or drop into the performance state basically whenever you want. That's right. A metaphor earlier about the mind being the operating system and the brain being the hardware. And a friend of mine who teaches, he teaches a lot of cool, interesting, similar to what you're talking about. He uses the same metaphor to describe 
the mind as your body's your hardware and it, you can upgrade that to like a certain point you can exercise and you do those kinds of things but then you can also upgrade your software and other th as well which is what you're talking about essentially like upgrading your software basically like, you know in this case removing sure. barriers removing things that are there and he's like and if you think about it your brain and your body and your mind and all that it's a you can run programs and he's like so you can train your body to have certain responses to certain things and so like one of the things that he talks about and he teaches people is he teaches people how to program a flow state or how to program a a performance state so like before you go to get on stage or where you you know speak to your company or whatever it is that you do for your work you can train your body to enter into certain states and you know flow state's a good one but there are lots of others that you can put your into and a lot of it is like when you realize that like you know it's essentially that kind of your body is you've got your hardware and then your brain is your software you can learn to write your own programs i always thought that was really fascinating i love that metaphor to you know program yourself and be able to operate well, better than most people who aren't aware that they have the ability to program themselves. So that gets to the whole level of awareness, right? Which is, what are you aware of? When it comes to the body, right? The body's going to have uh, performance and performance, you know, things that you need to become aware of. You know, if you're a sprinter and you want to up your sprint time, you've got to become aware of what's keeping your ability to go faster. Typically, we would do the kind of bulk work, which is, well, I've just got to do more squats. I've got to, you know eat healthier, if we get more rest, right? But there may be some psychological impacts that's slowing you down as well. And so the way I like to look at yeah. it is exactly that. Uh, you can install new programs, which is very powerful. Uh, and you can remove old programs, which is very powerful uh, because we typically don't have a very clear picture of what's slowing us down. So just the effect of becoming aware of the mental processes, what the mind's utilities are, becoming aware of awareness properties and what those do, and expanding your awareness around all of those different components gives you a much more realistic and deeper experience. And you can go out to the world and do just superhero-like things. Which is, is very true. I have one, one other question on that, and it is the community aspect of that self-governance, for lack, lack of a better word, that... One of the things that I've noticed is that we tend to operate in one of the two binary, either all individual or all community, like, you know, everything for the community, the sacrifice of the individual or everything for the individual, the sacrifice of the community. And in this world where we're talking about making yourself better, one of the things that I've noticed is that your community has a big impact on your beliefs and your limiting beliefs and those kind of things. And so like one of the best examples of that is you know, the very famous story of like the four minute mile. And before someone ran it, the whole community of the human beings were like, we can't run a four minute mile. And someone did, and it shifted the community knowledge of what our barriers were. And then now if you don't run a four minute mile, you're not even competitive. And so like, that's a famous story, but you see that all the way down on the macro level with the people that you choose to be around and the programming that they're putting around you. And so like, what are your thoughts on that and how you navigate the community aspect of bettering yourself? It's interesting, right? Words have insanely powerful influence over our ability to move forward. And we end up programming and uh, programming each other just through conversation, right? Think about like a five-year-old kid who wants to climb up on top of, a, I don't know, a fence. And, uh, you know, they're excited about it. They know they can do it. They're excited to go do it. And the parent says, hey, get down. You're going to hurt yourself, right? If the kid gets to the top and does hurt themselves, now they've got a program to the mind. I can't do risky things because I'm going to get hurt. Right. So the mom or the parent themselves is actually planting the idea that 
you know, you could hurt yourself. And the second that you do, that gets locked in. If you get to the top and you don't hurt yourself, then you're like, okay, you're full of shit and I can take risks. Uh, and that programming starts to set. And so think about the words that we start to accumulate over time. Our parents tell us what we can and can't do. Teachers tell us what we can and can't do. Coaches tell us what we can and can't do. You know, you're not fast enough to run the, you know, to be a wide receiver. You don't have the hands to be tight end. You know, all these program the mind and the more we encounter it, the screws get a little tighter. Uncertainty starts to go up a lot more. And so think of this in the, as a macro and across society, this is the way that we communicate to each other. You go to a bar, you're talking with your friends, you say something really interesting. They're like, oh, you're full of shit, or you don't know what you're talking about, right? That level of programming, we do to each other all day and all night. And because our psychology is wrapped up in the ego, right? Our egos are what gets hurt, right? The ego's like, oh, I guess I can't do that. Oh, I guess I shouldn't do that. And this is the reason why, yeah. you know, the ego needs to be tamed and needs to be tamed in our lifetime. But, you know, it's the language effects of a society, right? The kind of cultural effects that are keeping people from being great. It's keeping you from being motivated to do the changes that you want because you'll be seen as crazy or weird, right? It's the, you know, if I make this change from this career to that career, people are going to question me and second guess me on what I'm doing. And so we retreat, we fall back into our safe, comfort, comfortable spot and we, we don't grow beyond it. So I'm with yeah. you that just as a societal layer, we do a lot of damage to the people next to us, just in the way that we communicate. And if we were to change the language of the way that we communicate, right? You can still say you're an asshole. You just don't need to use that word asshole. You can use other language to <clears throat> describe, hey, you're being difficult, right? Yeah. That right there will change people's uh, ability to like move forward because the psychology won't pull them down. It'll either be neutral or pull them up. Yeah, it, it's interesting to me because we, we have, if you go back to almost any scripture, particularly the Christian scriptures, they talk about the truth into people's lives. You realize that like, that's not a metaphor. Um, right. That's like, it's like a, it's a real thing. And you can dramatically change someone else's life and their outcomes by the words you choose to use when you speak to them. Yes, absolutely. Um, and it's, any it's, affirmation? I have, yeah. Right. So that's, that's um, I use, I do all sorts of crazy little weird thing where I have all that, you know, I'm currently working on a particular goal. I have it everywhere. So like on my phone, the top little bar of apps, I replace with an image. It just says it has one of the affirmations on it. And every time I pick up my phone, I read it. I have for almost a year. And same kind of thing. It's on my desktop. I even had my wife paint it onto my big toenail. So when I'm in the shower, I see it on my toenail. Oh. Like just little things. Yep. And so you're constantly reminding thing that you're, you're working on. You're installing programming. And in my case, it's putting myself into, I'm essentially future pacing my own, my own mind. of like, hey, this is where, you, where you're going to, going to be. And all the things that are required to be there. So. Yeah, that's yes. right. It's, it's interesting, right? Because, you know, people tend to avoid affirmations and, you know, especially people who haven't been doing a lot of growth work, they look at the word affirmation as like, okay, it's a little bit woo-woo, but it's the, it's really, you're installing programs. You're rejecting you're the speaking whole truth program. in your own life. That's exactly right. And the more you repeat it, the more it's going to turn those screws in that positive direction until you become it. Yeah. You know, I, I love your examples you talk about with children too, because like one of, one of the things that my wife and I have spent a lot of time 
working on because we've got four children and we live crazy life is probably the easiest way to say it is like we teach them how to navigate danger safely and not to avoid it entirely. And so we have a lot of like simple rules that we follow, you know, things like when they're on the playground or when they're, you know, climbing on rocks and stuff like that, you can do almost as long as you can do it yourself, right? Like if I have to push you up the side of the rock, now you've, we've pushed you beyond your capabilities and into my capabilities. And that's when you're going to, and so like my littlest one is four. She hates it when I'm, she's like, can you help me climb up there where my big brother is? I'm like, no, you can try to get up there, like do whatever you want to do to get up to the top of there. And you can get up there, then you've built that capability yourself. Uh, but if I put you up there, then you're operating on my capability, uh, which she doesn't like because she wants to get wherever her 14 year old brother is. <laughs> but it's the same kind of thing. It's like, we're just teaching them how to navigate danger to push their own limits and, you know, all sorts of things, you know, that all fall into that category of like all of our kids, you know, they slice the vegetables with the very sharp knives, like for dinner. Right. And so they know how they work and how they operate. And they're not curious about them because I know when they get to use them and what those kind of things. And it's like, there's just right. a lot of things that as a parent, and you, when you start to realize like everything that we've been talking about, how it works on yourself, how you have to modify it and use the same kind of things to help your kids have a better outcome than you did. All right. And that's what your goal is as a parent, right? My parents gave me significantly better outcomes than they had. And like, our, my goal is to do the same thing and get better outcomes than we had. And a lot of that is like, when you start to unlock these things that we've been talking about in yourself, you're like, how do we pass those? Like, so that's their baseline programming is what it took us 40 years to get to. Crazy, right? One of the things I've seen, the super ego concept, right, is the projection of the parents, you know, desires or whatever it is onto the kids. And kids are modeling themselves off of the parents. So there's like a two-way dynamic of I'm learning through someone telling me how life is supposed to be, right? Through their experience, not me experiencing it myself, but through their experience. And that creates a, a one style of experience, but then kids model themselves off the parents. So they're going to watch you and really study you way more than I think parents give credit for. Because as we get older, the one thing that I'm finding with a lot of my clients is they're still blocked whether they're 50, 60, or 70, they're still blocked by their parents' programming, right? So think of it as an yeah. entitlement, justification, perfectionism. You don't learn those, you're taught those. And if those are your mode of operating, then that's how you're going to communicate. And that's going to be the kind of extent of your experience until you remove it. And so it's really like kids are far more intuitive and brilliant than I think we tend to let on because we see them as just little people, but they're studying everything that we say everything that we do and every way that we treat them yeah they're kids are superhuman is where I, my goal as a parent has been like how do i just keep them from how do i minimize my impact on our superhuman ability <laughs> all right that's like the goal is how do i just let them continue to be superhuman as long as possible yeah. What's interesting is that the, the short answer to that is let them experience life on their own. Don't let others tell them how the world is supposed to be and don't put a lot of rules on them other than, you know, come to me if you hurt yourself, right? Because you, if we're modeling yeah. ourselves off of our experiences and people around us, you know, that creates one style of experience. But if we've got to learn on our own, as to your point, your kids are trying to navigate the world on their own by their own capabilities, right? When you're doing that, you more natural perspective. Your psychology is not getting wrapped up in 
well, I didn't do it right because my parents expected to be perfect. It's like, oh, you still got it done, you know, but it wasn't to their specification. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's almost leave them alone and let them figure it out. And that's a better way to, to go about the world. We do a lot of enabling. Mm-hmm. Like that's the way, word I would use is they have their desire, whatever it is that they're trying to do. And we just like provide the tools necessary for them to figure out what they want to do with it. And to your point, you're like, don't come to me if you get hurt kind of thing. Like my oldest now, like he knows enough about first aid and other stuff that he doesn't even come to us when he gets hurt. He just moves on with his life. It's just a thing. Right. He spends fire professionally. Like he did performed weddings and block parties and stuff like, and he's a fire spinner at 14. And people are like, how did you get a kid who spins fire? I'm like, we just let him follow the things that he wanted to follow and didn't tell him what he could or couldn't do with it. And like. Cause he started practicing in like several years before I actually lit anything on fire. And I was like, listen, I got one rule. If you want to light it on fire, you're welcome to light it on fire, but you need to be able to do a four minute performance without dropping it or hitting yourself. And I was like, and that was just, it's just a simple limit that ensured that he did the right practice. So that he can, you know, cause it's about how long they stay on fire is they stay on fire for about four minutes. And I was like, so if you can do a four minute routine without dropping it on yourself, you can light it on fire. And that was two years ago. And now he's a professional fire spinner. Awesome. Bravo, because that's exactly the way to do it, right? Which is like, put the, give them the conditions, right? But let them figure it out. I had the exact opposite. No one gave me any rules and any barriers. And it was all figured out. But, you know, I credit my parents for that. You know, they'll, my mom will say something like, oh, well, I should have done more for you in this area. And I'm like, you did fine. You let me figure it out. And I, I can't thank you enough for that. If I had someone tell me about it and how it was supposed to be, maybe I'd be shy and, and insecure and wouldn't want to do it. And so I'm not the world. And that's because I was jumping off roofs at six. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I remember doing that. I remember like one of my early memories was we lived in a two-story house and I remember calling my mom outside particularly. And I was like, Hey mom, come out. She comes out like from the garage and I'm on the roof and I jumped off in front of her. She was very angry about that. But like, yeah, I was doing the same thing. <laughs> right right yeah. yeah something happens when we we get older we're like okay now we have to be do the security you know but it's interesting yeah, and now like when i look off. at jumping off the roof now i'm like if i jumped off the same roof now i'd probably break something so like and i need to like stay alive have, for my children right yeah it, it's like think about all those experiences that get accumulated over time I remember when I, I told somebody, I said, oh yeah, I passed 65, I've been letting stuff go and I passed 6,500 things. And they're like, that's impossible. You don't have 6,500 things. I'm like, okay, maybe there's like 30% that I didn't connect to. So, but the other amount I did connect to and all of that psychology is like the stuff that you accumulate over time that starts at a very young age that inhibits your ability to move forward. It's a lot of stuff to clear out and it really kind of paints a very clear picture of how, like when it starts, how deep it goes and the kind of thickness of the construct of the ego that gets accumulated over time. The older we get, the more it appears consecrated, you know, that it's just stone and you're unbendable and unmoving person. So for me, the more you can get kids, the tools on how to navigate the world, how to utilize discernment, how to expand their awareness. We're going to have a a very amazing future 
But if we don't do those things, you know, we're staying on the same path. Yeah. Been on. Yeah. And like I, the thing that I just want to drive home for people who are listening to this, you know, sort of meandering conversation we're having about this topic is like there, whatever you think your limits are, they're just not true. And I don't know how, like, his, your point is like, it's just something that you have to experience. Like, it has to be a first person experience. No matter how much, you know, Lance or myself tell you your limits that you have on yourself, on everything to like how healthy you can be to what your body composition can look like to, you know, like just any, uh, like what you can accomplish during the day, how much time it takes you to accomplish those things. All of them are false. All of right. the things that you think that are your limits, they're all false. Right. And you can get 10 times more work done in half the time of someone else. You can have the body that you want. You can have the life that you want. You can have anything if you're willing to do this work that you're talking about, right? Being able to clear out those things and learn how to understand like how you're, how it works. And I, I don't even know how to tell people like what, because it, it, it's been crazy to me because I thought for the longest time that I have figured out. And then when you start to like peel back the layers and you get in deeper into it and realize you're like, and even started like tapping into our own potential and what we're capable of. And like, when you like really start looking at it, you realize that like human beings as a species haven't started, like we're barely scratching the surface of our, and so like on an individual level, you practically, you don't have limits outside of the, you know, the important ones from society, like don't murder people, like, but outside of those kind of things, you don't practically have limits on your life. And anyone, anything you do have is stuff that has been programmed in that you can take out. Absolutely. And just to add on top of that, you know, when you think about the predictive nature of the mind and think about what prediction is, you're making it up. It doesn't matter if you're 99.999% accurate, you're still we, right? And so what I find is yeah. that people tend to get hung up on their, you know, I'm really good at guessing. I'm really good at predicting. It's like, yeah, but you still have in any moment, you have a 50, 50 chance of being correct or incorrect. And you're doing some modeling, some predictive modeling. And if you're correct, great. You 50% of the time, you're going to be correct, but you're still making it up. And so letting people know that if you're thinking about what's going to happen, instead of just going into the experience and letting it happen, then you're making it all up, right? And that level of, it starts to click when people start to go, well, what about how I feel about this? It's like, is it true to you or is it an assumption? Right. Cause an assumption and prediction are the same thing. You're still guessing yeah. at what the outcome's going to be. And if you're buying to the psychology of the guess, well, then you're going to have a really interesting life full of fears and uncertainties and, you know, missed moments and opportunities because you thought that you couldn't do certain things when you could have, and you just predicted, you know, your way to a spot where you didn't. Yeah. One of my the other questions that Liana asks me regularly in our mastermind group is, is it true? You know, whatever, every, every time you say anything, it was like, I'm going to do this or I feel this way or whatever. She always, is that true? Right. Or, and it's basically, it's hitting on that question. And so like, right. you're assuming things that you don't know. Right. It's like, unless it happened in the past and you like, this is the thing that happened. And when I tried to climb that tree, I fell out of it. You could say, I fell out of that tree. Right. That's true. I fell out of the tree. But if it's in the future, always an assumption. Right. But, right. Exactly. You don't know. And so like, I've started to operate my life that way. And even in like with our business, like we're getting into levels of business that I've never been in before. And like all of my staff knows, I'm like, I just so you're aware, I have no idea what I'm doing here. Right. So we are learning together, like how to navigate this stage of our business. And I was like, anything I tell you that we're going to do, 
there's a 50 50 shot. It's all going to go crappy and we're going to have to, you know, figure out how to fix it. But right. I was like, but that's okay. That's part of the process. Part of the process is failing and learning and getting the wisdom from it and going right. forward. And so like, for me, it's like, I have, cause I know we're going to fail at things. And so right. I want my staff to be aware that we're going to get all up and move forward. And like, cause that's the only way that you get better and stronger, those kind of things. But like that sort of attitude runs through everything in your life. And you start to realize you're like, no, I'm making this up. And, you know, you want to learn to cook, you want to learn to do martial arts, you want to learn to run a big business, you want to learn to travel full time, whatever it is, you can do it. You're going to make mistakes, learn from those mistakes, move forward. Yeah. Realize like it's everyone's making everything up like that's no one has right. it figured out. That's where that whole like, you know, everyone's wrong about something. So that's been a, a huge is everyone's wrong. So, you know, I used to be afraid of keeping Baylor. Ryan. Right. Uh, and being afraid of failing is it prevents you from doing the things that you want to do. And as I started understanding that failure is part of wisdom, right? You fail, you learn, you don't do that same mistake, right? That is growth. Yeah. And so, you know, people who avoid failure out of fear of failing, that's the very barrier that needs to be removed, which is I've got to try. So we call that in our household, the great suckitude. You know, because one of the things that with children is children are constantly learning new things and they want to like experience things and they want to pick up skills or whatever it is. And like we talk regularly about like, you know, whatever you want to start doing, you have to go through the first stage of learning something new, which is we lovingly call it the great suckitude, where you're going to suck at it and you're going to fail and it's going to suck and you're not going to like it and it's not going to be fun. But that's part of like how you get good at it. And I know that the message is starting to sink in. I got, you know, I got a 14 year old and a 10 year old and we got two littler ones. And like our seven year old is like, she's struggling learning to read, but my two older two both learn to read. And like, we've had that discussion several times about the great suckitude of learning to read. And eventually it just clicks and you get it. And my 14 year old was like coaching my seven year old the other day. And He's like, it's okay. Like, he's like, I know it sucks and it's hard and you're going to get there. He's like, I was there. No. And like, he just coached her all the way through the whole kind of the whole like same thing. Cause he remembers I have the same thing. He's like, eventually it just won't be hard. Like you'll just right. figure it out and it clicks and they do the same thing in like all their life. And they realize like, oh, and like I, now I know like when one of my younger kids starts picking up on a new skill, my older kids would be like, they'll celebrate failures together. Mm. A cool thing because yeah. I didn't get there until I was in my thirties and I'm like, man, how do we get that attitude in? That's where all of the greatest are made is when you are okay with just be with failing and moving forward and learning from those things. Absolutely. It's that, you know, I wish I could identify where the origin of fear of failing really came from, you know, because everyone has it and the people who break out of it are achieving great things, but it's that pattern itself that I find is keeping people from being, you know, their greatest expression of themselves. It's that, you know, lack of commitment is really, you're pushing your, you know, you're not willing to commit to the thing because you know, in the back of your mind, you're afraid of failing. Right. And so, you know, commitments, responsibility, you know, whatever it is, it's people who don't take it on, don't want to fail. They don't want yeah. to be seen as couldn't pull it through. Not knowing that, hey, just trying is showing effort and people want to see effort. They don't want to see you just walk away from, you know, not putting your time in becoming better at whatever it is you're trying to become better at. You know, nothing's going to explode if you fail. For the most part, unless you're working on bomb, I might explode if you fail there. But outside of that, 
So I know, you know, we're getting to almost an hour and 20 minutes here. And I sort of knew this would happen because we've, we've talked before. And I'm like, man, I'm not, we're not going to get into any of the questions. We're just going to like meander down this wonderful path. But I do, I want to, we got to put a wrap on the interview. Maybe we'll have to have you come back on and we'll talk at some point. But um, I do want to go through the last couple of questions I generally do with my guests because I think they're fun. So the last one that I always ask people is, I call it the Heroes Challenge. And the Heroes Challenge is just to help me get access to stories that we might not otherwise find on our own. So the question is simple. Do you have someone in your life or in your network who you think has a cool entrepreneurial story? Who are they? First names are fine. And why do you think they should come share their story with us here on the Hero Show? Wow. Yeah, I think there's a gentleman by the name of Travis Roche, who I think is outstanding. He is got to be pushing late thirties right now, but he's in all of the boardrooms with all of the infrastructure billionaire companies who are trying to make a difference in the world. He is someone that I do a lot of peer work with. And so we come from roughly the same angle of viewpoints and dimension. And he's a very deep thinker and creative thinker and a mover and shaker. <clears throat> so that would be someone who I could think of that would be really fantastic. Not everyone says yes when we ask, but we always find cool people when we ask that question to come on and, and share their stories. And then the last one here is in comic book, there's always the crowd of people at the end who are cheering for, you know, the works of heroism. So as we close, our analogous to that is where can people find you? Where can they light up the bat signal, so to speak, and say, hey, Lance, I would love to get your help to help break down my own barriers and really be able to operate at peak performance anytime I want. So, and more importantly than where can they find you is who are the right types of people to reach out and ask for your help? Okay, so you can find me on LinkedIn. Everything's kind of focused there for the time being. And I'm looking for anyone, there's three categories. Businesses who want to do performance improvement, who want to improve their leadership, who want to improve the skill sets of their employees, and who want to craft their personas so that, you know, kind of to some of the things that we're talking about, we're not suffering from the things that are, you know, keeping us from being great. The men's Cocker Club or Cocker Forum is, it's just starting up. So this is for men who want to fully actualize in their life. Fully actualize means kind of everything we're describing. Completely understand the mind-body relationship, get full control over the access of the mind and its utilities get full access and control over the body. It's basically a super deep dive into you becoming enlightened. And then with AFBA, it's for anybody who is looking to understand the cultural and generational traumas from the outside. Unless you happen to be black, then come on in and, you know, we can talk about it from the inside. But, you know, either way, it's a two-way conversation and anyone there is welcome. So you can find me doing all those and I'm looking for anybody who's in any of those spaces. My primary demographic tends to be roughly between, let's say, 25, 28, and about 55. Somebody who's open-minded, who is looking to transform their life and to understanding how they work at a very deep mechanical level so they can grow themselves. My whole kind of shtick on this planet right now is empowering people to democratize mental health and their uh, self-realization. That to me are the two greatest things I can do on this planet. Absolutely. And, you know, as, as someone who knew to that world myself, the power that you are capable of unlocking in yourself is it's next level. It's worth doing the work. It's worth exploring, especially if you are, what you, if you're questioning, you don't think like they're all very IQ driven, which is a lot like where I came from, realizing that there is definitely a very strong connection 
to your body and your mind and your spirit and all those kind of things and how you can leverage those to perform at a high level or to really do whatever you want in your life. It's worth exploring. So take the time to reach out. Lance Powell on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. That's correct. We'll put a make sure there's a link to that in the description. And I said, we'll have to invite you back on and actually go through the, uh, the hero questions. But this is a fascinating conversation. Thank you so much for coming on and talking with us today, Lance. Um, any final words of wisdom for our audience for hit this uh, stop record button? Yeah, I think the, just to put a piggyback on what you're just saying, the mind is way more powerful than we give any inch of credit for. The spiritual journey is meant to be embraced and utilized as a uh, path of discovery self-discovery and expanding your awareness. There's no greater gift you can give to yourself on this planet than going and understanding how you operate so that you can go be more effective and efficient and collaborative and caring and giving and loving, et cetera, in the world. When all those things are, when all these psychologies removed and all the various sheets are removed, there is nothing stopping you from being your absolute most powerful. Absolutely. Think that. Yep, I love it. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of The Hero Show, where we work to shift the cultural narrative around entrepreneurship and celebrate the heropreneurs who make our world a better place. Don't forget to visit our website at theheroshow.tv, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or via RSS, so you'll never miss an episode. If you found value in our show, we truly appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or better yet, Share it with a friend to help us spread the message of entrepreneurship as a force for good. Curious to learn more about the stories and insights of these incredible heropreneurs? Check out our in-depth interviews and resources on our website. Together, let's support and inspire the next generation of entrepreneurs as they embark on their own heroic journeys. Join us again next week for another episode of The Hero Show where we'll continue to explore the world of heropreneurs, their superpowers, and the positive impact they bring to our lives. Until then, stay heroic.